Nine children. That's how many little ones stayed here at our church with their parents last week. We were hosting these families as part of our work with Family Promise of the South Bay, which helps homeless families with school-aged children get back on their feet and into their own homes. Don and I volunteered to help on Tuesday and Thursday, so we had the opportunity to interact with the children that were there in the lounge. Um, every evening, the family gathered in the lounge to have a meal together and to do homework, to relax, and needless to say, it was a pretty busy and rather noisy place. Um, kids were running around, hanging over chairs, laughing and playing. It was actually a little overwhelming to have that many kids in the same room at the same time. And having that experience gave me uh, some sympathy for Jesus' disciples. Now imagine the situation that we just heard. Jesus is surrounded by a noisy crowd, all of whom are trying to get as close to him as they can. Some Pharisees push their way to the front, challenging Jesus with a question about divorce that makes the disciples squirm. Jesus answers it, and answers it well, but they can see that he's getting tired. So when parents start coming forward, bringing their children, some carrying infants, others holding children by the hand, the disciples just kind of lose it. In no uncertain term, they tell the parents that Jesus is a very busy man who doesn't have time for children, so just take them on home. Thank you very much. You really can't blame them. The disciples are simply trying to protect their teacher, to conserve his energy, to shield him from those who might waste his time. But Jesus, Jesus is having none of it. Let the children come to me, he tells his disciples. Do not stop them. For it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Run that by again, Jesus. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these, to children? Those of us who grew up hearing this familiar story uh, listen to it without question, confident that, of course, Jesus will welcome the children. That's what we are taught. We've seen pictures of it, how it is. What we might not realize in, was that in Jesus' culture and in his time, children were seen more as property than people. They were non-persons. They had no legal rights or status except those granted to them by the male head of the household who had the power to decide whether, a child, whether or not a child was even accepted into the family. And mortality rates were high. Some 60% of children died before they were 16, and there was no law against exposing an unwanted infant to the elements. In other words, children were the lowest of the low on the social ladder, along with the poor, the disabled, and the sick. Contrary to our practice, no one would consider throwing a dinner or a birthday party for a child, and to suggest that the kingdom of God belonged to children would have been well, ridiculous at best. And yet, that's what Jesus said. That the kingdom of God belongs to such as these, to those who are as vulnerable as children, who have no claim to status or power, who are dependent on others for their care. According to that description, then, the kingdom of God belongs also to the homeless sleeping on our streets, to the migrant workers picking our crops or being held in detention centers, to the elderly in nursing homes who have succumbed to dementia, to the poor struggling to make ends meet in housing projects or cars, as well as to children, to all those who are vulnerable, 
needy, and dependent upon others. To such as these, Jesus says, belongs the kingdom of God. That turns things upside down for us, doesn't it? Not what we expect. And Jesus doesn't stop there. He goes on to say, truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. Hmm. I want us to notice a couple of things here. First of all, we tend to think of entry into the kingdom of God as a goal that we work toward by doing our duty and following the rules, by coming to church on Sunday, by uh, helping other people, and so forth and so on. But Jesus does not say, whoever does not earn the kingdom of God as a little child will not receive it, but whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child receive, not earn. The kingdom of God is not a goal, but a gift. Have you ever watched a very young child open Christmas presents? They don't care about how many presents they've got, even though we parents spend time counting, okay, do I have this much, and I have this, do I have enough for each child? They don't really care about it. They don't care about what it is. They don't spend time calculating how they're gonna repay the giver. Instead, they just rip off the racking paper and then exclaim with delight at the surprise inside. Their pleasure is so obvious, so genuine, that we too are filled with delight. That's how God hopes that we approach the kingdom, that we receive it as a gift, freely and joyfully offered to all who would receive it as that child receives a Christmas present. Can you imagine God anticipating waiting to see the look on our faces when we, when we recognize that gift is ours. That enthusiasm, that delight, that joy is infectious. Last week when Kayla brought little Milo to my office so that we could get better acquainted, it wasn't long before I found myself playing hide and seek with uh, his big sister, Nora. For a few precious moments, I experienced the fun of being a child crouching behind the counter to hide, feigning, oh, feigning great surprise when Nora popped out from the chair where she was hiding. It was really fun. Likewise, Don and I found ourselves playing with the children who stayed at our church, exploring, trying out different ways to make them smile and laugh. And I have to tell you, Don is really good at, at taking off his thumb. Okay, you, got, you dads know that trick, right? Okay. Little, we have a four-year-old was just utterly fascinated with that. <laughs> and it wasn't hard to find ways to make them smile and laugh. Though these children are living in a very difficult situation, constantly moving from church to church, they are playful, energetic, and inquisitive. They accepted what we had to offer them without complaint, and even the, when the five-year-old Sebastian told Don, you are lucky, you have money, he did so without a hint of bitterness. Though they were dependent upon the goodness of strangers, they responded to us with complete and open trust. When we follow their example, when we recognize our dependence upon God, when we learn to trust in God's grace, when we dare to respond to God with genuine joy and enthusiasm, our hearts are wide open to the gift of the kingdom. But that's not all that's going on here. 
Many commentators connect this passage with an earlier one, Mark 9, 33 through 37. In this passage, Jesus, Jesus notices his disciples arguing as they travel from one place to another. When he asks them about it, they fall silent. They look sheepish, for they have been arguing about which one of them is the greatest. Imagine Jesus sighing as he sits down and says to them, whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. And then he drew a little child that was there in the house with them into their midst, took it up in his arms and said to them, whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one, not one, not just me, but the one who sent me. Think about that for a minute. The full impact of that statement is hard to grasp, and certainly the disciples don't get it from the way they treated children later on. Robert Fowler puts what Jesus has to say this way. According to this new standard, anyone who embraces a child embraces God. Embracing a child is like embracing God. Not only are we to approach God's kingdom with childlike trust and vulnerability, but we are also to join Jesus in caring for those who are the most vulnerable. In Jesus' name, we are to welcome all those such as these, lifting up those who are found at the bottom of the social ladder, blessing those who are often ignored or put down by the world. This is, of course, easier to be, it's easier said than done. To welcome and bless persons such as these means coming to see them as persons of worth. It means reaching out to them with genuine affection without patronization. It means serving them in humility and caring for them as we would care for ourselves. I wonder if the only way to do this is to become childlike ourselves, to risk being vulnerable, to learn to be humble, to recognize and accept our dependence upon God and each other. When we do this, we may be surprised at the gifts that the most vulnerable have to offer us. Certainly, that's true of children, though any parent can tell you that children are hardly perfect. Um, they remind us of the value of play of the wonder of discovery, of the joy of life. They teach us to accept God's gifts with gratitude, and they give us hope for the future. In truth, our children bless us, perhaps more than we bless them. Truly, the kingdom of God does belong to such as these. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. May we do the same. Amen.